You're listening to the Dauber Prospects Radio, live from the 2018 NHL Draft in Dallas, Texas. Uh, I'm Peter Harling. I'm your host, and I'm here joined with my co-host, Ainsley Scott. How's it going, Ainsley? Very well. How about yourself? Not so bad. Enjoying the draft? I am. There's a lot of intrigue, a lot of unusual things, a lot of unexpected things, and uh, it continues to happen right into day two. Yeah, for sure. Uh, let's let's focus on, uh, on last night, the first round. Uh, there was a couple of... Uh, Unpredictable things happening in round one. I'd say that was an understatement. Yeah. Uh, some of these will or, or won't have impact on fantasy value, but um, where do you want to start? You want to start uh, at the top? I don't think there was much surprise with uh, with Dolan and Svechnikov going 1-2. Everyone knew that was going to happen. I think these are two players that... Uh, It'll be in the NHL next year. Very little doubt they're going to step in and they're going to be productive for their teams probably yeah. relatively quickly. To what level? The first year, there's going to be a little bit of a burn year, but by the time they get into year two and year three of their entry-level contracts, these are going to be major contributors on on these NHL rosters for Buffalo and Carolina, um, respectively. And, and I'd probably go one step further. I think that uh, there's a good shot that Brady Kachuk could step into the Ottawa Senators lineup. He was taken at fourth. He could go back to Boston for another year. He could go to the OHL London Knights who own his rights as well too. But he'll be a heavy fantasy contributor, I would say, as early as next season. I agree. I think uh, not only will he contribute offensive stats, he, he gives you the nice peripheral uh, balance as well. He'll get some hits and, and some scraps and whatnot. Um, yeah, curious that his ability to go to junior, that, I think that would be limiting to his fantasy value because once he goes to junior, he's there for the whole year. The Senators can't call him up if he plays with London. Um, and then that means next year it, it eliminates the AHL option for him too because he's, you know, he's it's junior or NHL. Um, I think... Uh, In the season, it's true. And, yeah. and the AHL is a viable option for him as well too. He could go to the Binghamton Senators and play right away even if he doesn't make the Ottawa Senators right off the bat and be available for call-up anytime during the season. And that's due to the fact that he burnt his year... Uh, at the NCAA, so he doesn't matter what age he is, he can go right into the AHL. Yes, I think if he if he if he goes the junior route, I think that hurts his, his immediate fantasy value. But there's a wild card there. Unless he goes there, and if you listen to Brady Kachuk say, he believes that he's a natural center, not a natural winger. And that would increase his fantasy value because we don't get power centers come along very often in the NHL. And if it takes him some time, even if it's two or three years, but he does develop into a center, we might start talking about players like Jonathan Taves, Alexander Barkov, big strong centers down the middle. Maybe not pure offensive guys like Austin Matthews, but they're few and far between. Wouldn't that be something if he ended up being that power center in the NHL and being a impactful fantasy and NHL player and uh, just Pericot and he ends up on on the wing Bang, as they <laughs> often do in Montreal and and whether or not that affects their ability to produce points the other wrinkle to that is if Brady Kachuk doesn't wind up as a center he's quite familiar with Logan Brown they've known each other for a while they played played with each other and against each other so um, and Logan Brown being a big strong guy now those two to co- combined on a line together could be making of something very interesting in the modern NHL uh, the word formidable comes to formidable, mind. Formidable, yeah. Yeah, they, they could play well together. Brown is a bit of a passer. Uh, Very much They so. both have size. They can both skate. And that would be interesting. Uh, so Philip Zidina, he, uh, in my opinion, he fell down quite a bit. Uh, I really like his goal-scoring abilities. I think he's one of the better fantasy options in the draft. I don't think going to Detroit hurts him out at all. 
Uh, I think uh, he's another player that could be in the NHL next year and sniping for the Red Wings. What do you think about that? I think there's a, a legitimate argument to be made that going to the Red Wings is the best thing for his fantasy value because they are such in need of immediate impact players. They do have Nyquist and they do have a few other guys that are still on that roster, but they're at the upper end of this retool that they're going through right now, and Zadina is going to be the benefactor of them turning over that roster. Uh, and he could start very high in this lineup. There isn't going to be a ton of competition for power play time. There isn't going to be a ton of competition for five-on-five ice time. And if Zadina can adjust very quickly, he may produce very quickly in the NHL. Uh, and I think about the trajectory of a guy like Nikolai Ehlers. Uh, within two or three years, he could easily be a point-per-game player in the NHL. Okay, so I'm going to ask your opinion on this. I'm not sure what his status is. Is he on loan or he's... He, he's not a lone player, is he? I think it's it's the NHL or junior or back to Europe for him next year. I believe he is not on loan, and that's the case. I'm not 100% certain of that, but I believe that's the case. Yeah, so there's a possibility if he doesn't make the wings, he's back in junior or off to Europe. Correct. Yeah. Well, we'll find out. Uh, your team, your neighborhood local team anyways, Vancouver Canucks, picked themselves up. Uh, I think the second best defenseman in the draft, arguably, in Quinn Hughes. Well, they seem to think so because he was the second defenseman taken in the draft, and yep. that's for a for a draft that was heavy on defensemen coming in, especially high end, top end defensemen that could go in the top ten. The fact that the, the second cap. one was taken at the seventh overall pick is uh, actually quite surprising to me. Uh, and they got their pick of the litter, and they got an offensive dynamo again. A guy who's already played his first year in the NCAA is eligible to go into the AHL uh, or can go back to college or step into the NHL and he's a player that is going to produce high-end offensive talents when he's ready he's small yeah now no rush no rush yeah and we were talking the other day that he's he's heading to to Michigan and that's we're anticipating that's where his brother Jack's gonna go that's the thought process anyway yeah. Yeah. Um, but if you listen to Hugh's talk he's also not giving up on going pro this year I think he wants to come into camp and see whether or not he's ready and how physically he can compete uh, and how the team thinks now uh we might think that they need to give him extra time to cook, but at the same time, he is probably the most offensive defenseman this team has had, certainly since Erhoff, probably further back uh, to Ed Jovanovsky would be the last one in this organization. It's convenient for Vancouver that they pick the best player available, and at the same time, it gives them an organizational need. Uh, so that's obviously not also going to hurt his uh, ascension to the NHL, that they'd be able to use him sooner than later. Uh, who's another player you want to talk about? Uh, well, I'm, I, one of the most intriguing picks has got to be Barrett Hayton taking that fifth overall. Now, I liked him. I had him actually one spot ahead of Kokaniemi on my own draft list. Uh, not fantasy value, but regular draft list. I think he was the uh, best center in the draft class, if you're not including Brady Kachuk in that <laughs> metric. Um, but I didn't have him at five. And Phoenix uh, obviously went there. They liked him. Now, this is a team that's been a, acquiring centers pretty rapidly. They felt that they just acquired one in Alex Galchenyuk as well, too. Uh, maybe this is an indication that Dylan Strom has not worked out for them, uh, that they went for another young guy, but they have had grabbed Dvorak over the last little while, and, and he's transitioning as well, too. So um, the question of how NHL-ready Barrett Hayton's going to be and how long it's going to take for him to get there, they look like an organization that can be extremely patient with a guy down the middle right now. So he may be doing his regular two in the two more in the O and then another in the A before he comes up and then makes an impact in the NHL. 
time will tell if if this was a, the best player available. But they passed on Philip Zadina and Quinn Hughes, who were picked right after him. And I w- I would not have done that. I won't do that in my fantasy draft. Uh, so yeah, yeah. Time will tell there. Um, what's what's your take on uh, Vitaly Kravtsov? He's uh, he was the next one picked to the Rangers at nine. Uh, well, I think he's a good fantasy option. Um, Russian factor concern you here? The Russian factor doesn't concern me as far as the uh, decision to be able to go back to the KHL goes. Obviously, that's something you always need to consider, but there's always options for other players as well, too, to force their way out or to go to other leagues, uh, especially when they're early. What concerns me the most, um, just from my own assessment, is the lack of viewings that we've seen of him. Uh, Most of us don't really know a lot about him. Now, he had excellent playoffs in the KHL, and he actually played his best games uh, and uh, was one of the most dominant guys in the league in in the KHL playoffs. So... Is that enough of a sample size? We don't know. It obviously was for the Rangers. They believed, and they were quoted as saying from their uh, director of amateur scouting, uh, that uh, they believed he was the second best forward available in the draft, whether or not that's true. They obviously have high need for offensive impact players. They are in a full rebuild, uh, so they can't really miss with this one. So I expect them to give him a long leash. It may not be next year, uh, but it may be the year after. I'll be curious to look up his contract status there and to keep an eye on it if he resigns or not because you certainly don't want him to be the next uh, uh, Gusev or Kaprizov where he's just in the KHL for the next five years. That's correct. Yeah. All right, I really like the Edmonton Oilers pick at number 10, Evan Bouchard. I said on the my pre-draft episode that um, I like this kid. He's a great passer, distributor of the puck, and I think he's, he's going to be a guy that stuffs the box scores. So when you wake up in the morning and, and you're checking your fantasy pool and you're looking at your box scores at Edmonton, it's going to be, you know, Connor McDavid from so-and-so and Bouchard. So-and-so from McDavid and Bouchard. Power and that, play goal, power play assist, power play assist. Like two, three-point games I don't think will be uncommon for and, this kid. And that's the interesting part about it as well, too, which uh, uh, going back to your comment on the Vancouver Canucks is he fits positional need as well, too. He, they might have felt he was the best player available, the best defenseman available in the class. He's a very physically mature kid. Uh, he looks that he could be physically ready to step into the NHL, that you could use a power play quarterback, they could use somebody to feed McDavid on outlet passes. Uh, They want to have a faster... Now, he's not the best skater in the world, but you can always pass the puck faster than you can shoot it. So on on a fantasy option... Um, even if you're talking about a lot of second assists, this kid could rack them up by just being in the right place at the right time, and he could start doing that fairly early, even as soon as this year, and that wouldn't surprise me if they give him a long look at cap to see if he's ready. Yeah, he's a late birthday, so he only has one year of junior eligibility That's left correct. anyways, right? So, I mean, even if he doesn't turn pro this year, he's only a year away. Right. Uh, so that's that's pretty tempting for, for me from a fantasy standpoint as well. Uh, I think the New York Islanders are running away with this draft. They got the next two picks in a row, and I think they Between knock... the Islanders and the Detroit Red Wings, they seem to be taking the, uh, the bull by the horns here. Yeah. These next two picks in Wallstrom and Dobson, unbelievable value at 11 and 12. Uh, they got themselves potentially a... Uh, number two D-man and a 30 goal scoring winger. Yeah, all the mock drafts and rankings I had, I, I was doing or looking at, uh, pretty much had the rain, uh, Islanders picking both forward and defenseman, but it was usually someone like Kotkiemi and Ty Smith. Uh, I thought they made it like bandits here, getting players that I would have had picked in the top 10, and they get them at 11 and 12. Uh, Noah Dobson's got the recency bias after having a tremendous... Memorial Cup tournament. Uh, he was the dominant player in the tournament, I thought. He really did and actually played his best hockey all year. He stepped up his game and maybe when you're looking and trying to project a guy, you want somebody who steps up in that time. I know that that's attractive to me when I'm looking at a player. 
Yeah, I thought his stock was rising because, you know, he did so well in the playoffs in the Memorial Cup. And maybe this is like a reverse recency bias where people are like, well, we just saw him play. Don't forget about the other guys. I think part of that is that. And and I think that uh, obviously it's because becomes cliche but there's only 10 spots in the top 10 so somebody's got to fall out of it and uh, if we start looking at that there was a couple picks that were questionable when people seem to go for uh, positional desire uh, especially with a a lack of centers in this draft uh, and that brings us to the pick immediately after Dobson uh, which is yep. the hosting Dallas Stars p- took Ty Delandria uh, at 13. Now I like Ty Delandria I think I think he's a fine hockey player, and I think he'll be a good pro player. However, I thought there was a number of players picked throughout the first round that if that's your guy, fine, pick him. But trade down. He'll be available later. I mean, title Andrea is, I guess this is another center. Senators seem to be uh, a hot commodity in the draft, regardless of the fact that this was widely considered to be a shallow draft for centers. It didn't matter. Um... I think he's a, f- a few years away. He'll be back to junior two more seasons, and then I think another year in the AHL of seasoning would be good for him. So this is the long game for the Dallas Stars. Uh, you think this is a, a long reach? I believe it was a reach by at least 10 picks. It's um, a long reach. It's a, I think it's by at least 10 picks. Uh, I think that they could have had him later. Now, if obviously, if that's the guy you want, uh, but I think that they could have traded down, probably still had a very good chance of getting Ty Delandria and probably another good piece. More interestingly, I'm surprised as the hosting city in Dallas for the draft that they didn't uh, try and do something to swing for the fences and try and improve their roster with this pick. If that was a, if this was the case that they value Ty Delandria there, as opposed to trying to, say, package it to get any one of the available wingers that we keep hearing about, whether it be Max Pacioretty or Mark Stone or whoever it might be, uh, to try and help Ben and Sagan and Hansel and all those guys and Radulov try and push them over the top. I, I was surprised that if they're going to make this pick and take Ty Delandria, somebody would have been more interested in this pick and valued it more highly than the actual player. Especially when the next player available on, on the draft board that went was Joel Farabee, nicely done by the Philadelphia Flyers. I thought so. I think they've got probably the, or arguably the best prospect depth in the NHL. So Especially at forward. At every position. I mean, they got Carter Hart. And yes, they they've do. got Provorov, uh, Philip Myers, um, Travis Sandheim on defense. So they're, they're pretty loaded for bear at every position. Yep. So they have the luxury of, of legitimately being able to pick the best player available and not be influenced by organizational bias. Uh, I like the fact that they took uh, Jeff Farabee, who's got unbelievable wheels and control of puck at, at pace as well, too. He's probably got an underrated shot. He considers himself more of a passer, but he, he's a guy that can shoot as well, too. And he's shown, when he was paired with Wallstrom and Hughes uh, at the program, that they can actually produce, he can produce at a very high level as well, too. Uh, I think with adding that speed, where they've got some size from last year and Isaac Ratcliffe, they got some other speed and talent in Morgan Frost, uh, at prior to that as well, too. This is a team, again, they can be patient with Fairby. He's a little bit undersized, so he may take a little bit to get there, but the guy can move at the modern NHL pace, so that his size may become less of a factor because his feet will make up for it. Hmm. He's, uh, I forget which school, but he's committed to the NCAA. Uh, I think he's going to be a, a one-and-done type player. Wouldn't shock me? Yeah, I think the Flyers will expedite his... But again, they have the, they have the option to be patient with the men. Indeed they do. All right, the Florida Panthers, uh, they go Russia. They picked uh, Grigory Denisenko, left-wing, skilled player. Um, where do you see him playing next year? 
I think he'll go back to uh, the back to Asia Russia. Russia, and I think he'll move up from the MHL to the KHL. I think he's too talented not to. But again, you never really know in the decision over there because they often bring guys up to the KHL when they're 18 years old, and they only play them four minutes a night on the fourth line, and is that the best thing for his development? I will say I really like this pick for the Florida Panthers. Now, there's a little bit of swing for the fences with this one because he's a little bit, tat he's a little bit undersized. He's not as consistent as he could be, but he's got all-world hands and, and puck-moving ability. This guy is a absolute offensive dynamo when he's on his game. The question is, can he be on his game that quickly, and how long will it take for him to come over to North America and learn the North American game? I think it's probably best for his career development if he plays in the KHL, but honestly, I'd be more interested in, in him, and I'll be paying close attention to the CHL import draft. If he gets picked at the CHL import draft and commits to coming to North America, I'd feel a lot more confident in owning him in a fantasy league that he's not going to turn into a Kaprizov or Gusev, well, even if it's not best for his development. You know, and the other side of that was that uh, he speaks no English. It's non-existent. So um, question of how quickly can he come over and adjust to it. Now, there isn't a ton of Russians in the Florida system as well, too, so he's going to need somebody to help him out when he gets there. Um, you know, it would have been nice if they had a still more of a veteran guy like Kulikov still around that maybe could help uh, his landing spot. But you know what? Let's see what Denisenko does if he comes over to camp. Uh, we're not. There's no guarantee yet that he's going to be in Florida's uh, prospect camp, their development camp. But you know what? The kid's got amazing hands, amazing wheels. He can he sees the ice incredibly well. You know, they're in need of talented wingers. He may actually be a uh, uh, outside dark horse chance to make his roster out of, make the roster out of camp. That would be interesting. All right, Colorado Avalanche pick Martin Kout. Love this kid. Yeah. Love this kid. He was probably gave the most humble. Um, press conference following it he is first off absolutely stoked to go to the Colorado Avalanche he's from the same city as Milan Hayduke so that is a is a massive thing for him to go he plays the same position as Milan Hayduke uh, they have he's maybe not as uh, robust yeah well as far as it comes to his goal scoring and that kind of thing he plays a slightly different game he's more of a two-way forward that kind of thing but that fits in perfectly with Colorado's system and what they need because they know they've got a powerhouse top line so if they can have somebody who can eat good minutes and produce good offense uh, in the middle six there. Um, Martin Cow just loved the kid, super positive. He had a heart condition that was caught at the combine. They did a little procedure on it. He says he's good to go, uh, ready to go. Super appreciative of uh, that position because he said, I didn't even know if I was going to get drafted after that. Now, in terms of NHL value versus fantasy value, if you're looking at your fantasy drafts, this is a 16th overall. I would probably slide him down a little bit on my fantasy. Correct. Yeah, I would chart. agree with that. Yeah. All right. Player who might you might want to slide up. Actually, I thought might Very have dipped much. a little bit would be Ty Smith, New Jersey Devils. He could be a little bit of a weight. I think he's going to play two more years as a junior. Um, he's a little undersized. Um, and a maybe de developing defensive game, but he is an yeah. absolute wizard on the power play. He's pretty good uh, five on five guy as well too. But we go back to that question of moving the puck and transitioning it quickly from the back end. Uh, the two hardest things to get in the NHL are power forwards and offensive defensemen, and New Jersey got themselves an offensive defenseman. All right. Yeah, I like that. Uh, Liam Foodie from the London Knights went 18th overall to the Columbus Blue Jackets, and uh, I noticed a lot of people looked up from their computers when this pick was announced and said, what? Were you one of those guys? I was, uh, just because... Again, there's so many guys there that, that I think continue to drop down this draft and, and, and into the second round and again the late first round. Spoke to a couple people who know Foodie better than I do, and basically the, the word is this. Wheels, 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 wheels. 
I have seen him play in London, but it's not. He's not a guy who ever stood out with the flash as far as like his hands and his skill level goes or his shot or anything like that. His game is predicated on speed yeah. in modern NHL. Also, the Columbus Blue Jackets, who selected him at 18th, have need for centers in their system. Uh, that's obviously a goal they're going. Now, is he going to be a big fantasy producer or is he going to be a, going to wind up being a speedy middle six guy at his top end? I don't know. Um, so in that sense, uh, again, uh, he's a guy I would drop down my fantasy rankings. He's speedy like Andreas Athanasiu, but he doesn't have the finishing abilities that Athanasiu does. He can he can finish on the breakaways. He scores some some really nice um, shootout goals. Uh, didn't see so much of that from Foodie. Jay O'Brien is an interesting pick. Philadelphia Flyers. So this is a bit of a swing for the fences pick. They're loaded for bear with, with prospects. This is the long game. This is a player who's going to go and uh, play several years in college. Uh, played in high school, hasn't really played against a high-level competition yet, so I'm not really sure exactly what the Philadelphia Flyers have in this guy. Uh, Russ knows him pretty well. He says that uh, Philadelphia scouted him pretty hard. They were the team that scouted him the most, so they got their guy at uh, 19th, which I thought was a stretch. I didn't have him in my first round. Um, So is this a player that... I don't know him very well, I have to admit. I, yeah. Again, he's coming out of uh, American prep school, so it's, right. it is uh, something that you read other people's reports on. You yep. know people who are in the region who talk about him, but actually having laid eyes on him, I wasn't the guy. That's why I didn't include him in my top 31, right. um, and I wouldn't have included him in my top 60 because I don't know him that well. Wow. Now, you look at his numbers, and you go 80 points in 30 games. That's high school prep, right? and if you're that level of talent, or first level of talent in high school prep, you can basically have to take those numbers and throw them out the window. There's no projection you can really do from that that are going to be meaningful uh, until we see him step into uh, uh, NCAA. Then we'll have a better idea of where he is in his development. Yep, I think this is a swing for the fences and hope for the best, but it's a player who I would I would let someone else draft uh, at that territory. Uh, Rasmus Kapari, another center. This is a guy who I thought would have been picked ahead of some of the centers that have been picked already. Uh, I like this kid from what I've seen, him playing internationally with Finland. I think he's got a good set of hands. I think he can be a few years away, so you got to be patient with him. you got to be able to sit on him on your roster for a few years. Uh, but uh, L.A. picking Kapari, what do you think? Again, this is another guy that uh, the indication that speed is so important in today's NHL because the guy can absolutely fly. Now, he played a lot of wing as well as center as well, too. Um, now, again, undersized. He's a project. He's a development guy. He's going to take some time for him to be ready. I'd say at least three years for him to be physically filled out. Uh, he's a very, very immature-looking physical specimen. Uh, but again, speed, speed in the new NHL. How quickly can adjust? How quickly can he grow? He's playing for Carpat. I would send him back to Finland for at least one more year. And then after that, I think they need to get a look at him in the North American game and bring him over and see if we can find a, a good spot for him uh, in Ontario in the AHL. I think 20 is a good fantasy level ranking for him, perhaps then. Uh, 21, Ryan Merkley. Wow. Where do we even start with this kid? Um, started as it could be great. It could be amazing. <laughs> it could be great. If if he can figure it out and uh, become a coach's dream, then uh, then I think we'll see him in the NHL. Um, interesting. Someone here told me this weekend that he's been drawing a lot of comparisons to um, uh, oh, what's his name, Anthony D'Angelo. And that they're both uh, offensive defensemen, right. uh, and Anthony D'Angelo's always had some red flags on his file. He's bounced around from a few teams in the NHL now. He's had his rights transfer over. Uh, I, I, I get that comparison. I've made it myself a few times. I'm starting to, to get a little bit of better perspective on this. I don't think that's 
a really true comparison. I think Ryan Merkley uh, has a better chance of making it in the NHL uh, than D'Angelo. Uh, I don't think there's a perception that Ryan Merkley's a bad person. Uh, he needs to learn to play defense a little bit uh, and needs to be a little bit more receptive to coaching and maybe mature a little bit. But, I mean, we are talking about a kid that's 18 years old and has been the best player at every level he's ever played in before. So, you know, forgive him for being a little arrogant. Um, yeah, here's the one benefit of the doubt I'll give the San Jose Sharks and uh, um, have been an extremely good and diligent team when it comes to drafting uh, and developing players. And I think that he is, uh, he's a guy that they would have done their due diligence on. So if they think that he's, uh, they, if they think that he uh, is not going to be an issue and all of those character flaws and all of the skating stuff is made overblown, uh, they got themselves, by many accounts, one of the top five offensive defensemen in this draft, maybe even top three. Um, there's, there's a lot to be able to say for what Ryan Merkley can do on the ice when his head is in the game. So you know what, again, maybe swing for the fences, there's a boom or bust potential here, but if it pays off, it could pay off in a big, big way. Huge uh, way. And that's true for fantasy as well, too. All right. The next pick would be uh, Keandre Miller, a converted forward to defense. Uh, great pick by the Rangers. I really thought they got good value with him. Anaheim Ducks picked uh, Isaac Lundestrom. And we got... Uh, I love the Miller pick, by the way. Yeah. I think he's... Uh, Miller is a guy He's going to be a bit of a project because he's, uh, he's changed positions in the last... He used to be a forward. Now he's a defenseman, but he's a huge physical specimen as well, too. I think he's still got room to grow. He can hammer the puck from the point. Uh, now the pick comparisons are going to be made to Brent Burns. If you believe that that is a fair and honest comparison and that's his top-end ceiling, how can you not take this guy in a fantasy pool? That's a really good point. <laughs> Uh, also, he doesn't make $8 bucks. Philip Johansson, defenseman of the Minnesota Wild. So here's a player that, again, turned a lot of heads, and people said, really? When he was picked, were you one of those guys? Certainly. Uh, nowhere near the first round for me. I was middle of the third round for me. Um, yeah. Again, uh, I'll give their scouts the benefit of the doubt here. They sure. probably see something more. And I, I'm not sure that he's going to be as um, offensively talented as the as the draft position could suggest. Um so I guess with with him with him I will take a wait and see approach. Uh, so, but he certainly wouldn't be somebody that I would be focusing on um, very early in the first or second round. Agreed. I would let someone else make the mistake of picking him in your fantasy first round draft. Dominic Bach, on the other hand, is a player who I would pick ahead of where he was selected. I like this kid. He's got super skill. Cam uh, Robinson compares him to um, David Pasternak, who was also a late first round pick. Uh, lots of fantasy upside here. I like his situation in St. Louis. I think he's going to play with some really talented line mates. Uh, and I don't think he might be very long for the NHL. Where do you see him playing next year? Well, it's interesting because uh, I think he'll go back to Basho for sure. Um, I think that that's going to be, that's going to be the, the situation. Now, they're losing a lot of top-end forwards in Basho, uh, chiefly Elias Pettersson, but they were a very good team last year. Um, now, he didn't get into all of his games with uh, the big club because he was on the junior club, so I think that he needs to step up to that higher level of competition in the Swedish Hockey League uh, before he makes the transition to North America. It's funny because he describes himself as more of a two-way forward uh, and most people see that he has more offense than maybe even he gives himself credit for or he's being humble. But he also gave a very good interview uh, after being drafted, and he's a very intelligent kid. He's German, very intelligent kid, uh, sees his understanding. He's picking up Swedish. His English is excellent. Uh, he's 
He's very wired. He comes from a hockey background. His family are all athletes. Uh, this is a guy I would bet on. I had him very high on my list. I would bet on him in a heartbeat. I'm not quite certain that Pasternak is a fair comparison because uh, I don't think that anybody can expect a guy to translate as quickly and as well as Pasta did. But, you know, if, if Cam is right, uh, again, this is when you talk about the risk-reward factor, take a, uh, take a chance. Why wouldn't you, right? Yeah. Uh, Jacob Bernard Docker to the Sens. I didn't think he'd go ahead of Giants Iconic, but they'll both be teammates in North Dakota. They know how to develop hockey players. So I think that's a, a pretty smart pick uh, by the Senators. Uh, Nicholas Boden goes next to the Chicago Blackhawks. I, I didn't have him in my first round. Did you? Uh, I did not. Uh, I did not. I know that there are other people that like him more than me. Um, when we were talking about guys from Drummondville, I would have leaned, leaned more forward Joe Valeno, who went at twenty or 30th. Uh, again, that's a guy that I, I really like. Um, but they went on this D, and you know what it is. We, we knew that this draft was going to be heavy in D, and you went Docker, Bodan, Nils Lundqvist to the Rangers, Rasmus Sandin from the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds went to the Leafs. The chick, the pick that they traded down from, he was from 25, and they said that he was the next guy on their list. They were reasonably comfortable that he would be available there at 29. Really like that pick. I actually was surprised that he fell that far, Rasmus Sendin, and I thought there were some teams that were going to fall in love with him and have him quite higher because, again, a uh, guy that can produce offense from the back end, even with left side, right side, doesn't matter, but I, I thought he would go higher than that. And he is on loan from the SHL, so he can jump right into the pro level and play in the Marlies next year, uh, kind of the way they did with um, Timothy Liljegren last year. Uh, yeah, Joseph Valeno, we just talked about him. He fell way down. The very last pick, Alexander Alexiev. You've seen him play in the dub a little bit. Uh, he rounds out the first round. He'll be back in junior next year. Two-way defenseman, fantasy upside here. You know what? I, I've seen, like, three different types of uh, Alexiev. Uh, there's the good Alexiev, there's the me- mediocre Alexiev, and then there's the I didn't notice him for the vast majority of the game Alexiev. So... He can, he can definitely work on a power play. He can move the puck fairly well. He's got a fairly nice, projectable frame. Uh, the problem with him is that he disappears for long stretches. He's not very good. He's not hard enough on the puck as far as defensive uh, um, play goes. He has very good gap control, though, and he uses his stick, and he is that kind of uh, not prototypical power play guy, but he is a sort of a, a guy in transition. I'd say he is a an all-around defenseman, except his all-around game is far from refined. So there's a lot of... He's one of those guys with, with all the tools, but can he put them together to be a reasonable thing? I still have a lot of questions for that, and that's why, even though he went in the first round, uh, I would want to see more from him before I put him in that same position in a fantasy draft, for sure. Well, it's nice to see Washington back in the first round of a draft, even if it's the 31st overall pick. Speaking of the draft, man, let's, uh, it's still going. Let's go back, get to it, and we'll, uh, we'll follow up, post the entire draft maybe a little later. Let's do it. Thanks for listening. We'll be back.